bless y'all. Thank y'all so much. Thank you. Appreciate that. We'll turn to one Psalm 119 while they're giving a moment for the youngins to get toward Children's Church. Psalm 119, what a wonderful song. Thank you guys for singing in both of our services today. It's a real, real blessing. I will mention something I failed to mention earlier. I mentioned the first service, and I, I've been asked why I haven't said anything about it for this to this day. Uh, because I was hoping maybe it wouldn't happen, but uh, there is a shower today. Uh, now I'm not talking about the rain outside, uh, but anyhow, for our girls uh, getting married soon and um, and leaving our nest. So uh, I think we made it pretty comfortable, but anyhow, they've stayed there with us longer than I guess, far more than I deserve. So I'm thankful. But this afternoon, two to four is the shower and I just want to tell you from the bottom of our heart how grateful we are for our church family um, this part of our journey I can't thank God enough for where he's placed me uh, spiritually and geographically because I'm grateful to be here with y'all during this time and thank you so much for loving us and caring for us the way you do and just know that we are very grateful and thankful and we hope that you since that see that and we show that so thank you so much for that Psalm 119 <clears throat> verse 129 is where we'll be picking up today and if you found your place and you're able would you stand with me in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word and as always the, the text is on the front of your worship guide too should be on the, the screens here speaking to you today on the subject of a demonstration of devotion and we'll read this whole stanza uh, we won't get through it all today, but we'll get as far as the Lord leads us, and we'll pick up from there as God leads. So notice what the Word of God says. Psalm 120, excuse me, 119, verse 129. The Bible says, Your testimonies are wonderful, therefore my soul keeps them. The entrance of your words gives light, gives understanding to the simple. I have opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for your commandments. Look upon me and be merciful to me as your custom is toward those who love your name. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Redeem me from the oppression of men that I may keep your precepts. Make your face shine upon your servant and teach me your statutes. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law Father in Jesus name I want to thank you for your word today I thank you for how it speaks to my soul reminds me of your faithfulness helps me to know I can trust you at all times and in all things Father may your word speak through our hearts today may we receive and respond as the spirit of God leads us today in Jesus name amen and amen thank you you may be seated speaking to you today on a demonstration of devotion. Throughout our study of Psalm 119, we find that the psalmist is declaring his allegiance to the Lord, and he's also declaring his allegiance to the Word of God. And he's also petitioning the Lord to teach him more and more. He's wanting to know more and more about the Lord and his will for his life. There's little doubt that the psalmist had a high level of personal devotion to the Lord 
as he seeks to demonstrate his love for the Lord by both his words and his actions. It's very easy to talk about following Jesus. It's a far different thing to actually do it and walk with him. So the psalmist is talking about that today. He wants to demonstrate his devotion to the Lord. Now, let me talk a minute about a difference between two words we could have used. We could have used the word definition of devotion in place of demonstration. But as I thought about that more and more, I realized because I learned how to use something that I bet most students today don't even know what it looks like, and it's called a dictionary. Y'all remember those? And no, it didn't have a dot com after it. It had a move your finger. You actually had to open a book, a real book, and open it up and look up words and find out their meaning. So, uh, but you know, I'll be the first to admit, dictionary.com is a lot faster, but nevertheless, we, we had to do a lot of things the old fashioned way, uh, as opposed to what they're doing now. But when I began to look up these things this week and preparing to speak to you, I noticed there's a very distinct difference between a definition and a demonstration. A definition is defined as making something definite, distinct, and clear. <laughs> Make very clear what the meaning is. But a demonstration takes it further because a demonstration means proving conclusively by a show of evidence. If you and I were going into a courtroom today and there was some court case on the books and we watched the attorneys, they might make some definitions of certain terms, but in order to win the case, they would have to prove uh, beyond a reasonable doubt with evidence. So a demonstration is far more than just a written sentence of what it means to be devoted. A demonstration is some conclusive show of evidence that proves that it is real see that is exactly what Jesus did when he went to Calvary's cross he wasn't the definition of devotion but he and God the Father literally demonstrated their devotion to our redemption the Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 5 verse 6 it says for when we were still without strength in due time Christ died for the ungodly for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But in verse 8 it says these words, but God demonstrated. He demonstrated what? His only love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. I don't know about you, but I'm grateful that we got more than a written definition. We got a public demonstration over 2,000 years ago that is still speaking to the generations today of the demonstration of God's love. That's why it's so important for me to be here today on Palm Sunday. That's why it's so important for me as I look forward to next week, Lord willing, if he lets us live that long, to celebrating Resurrection Day on Easter Sunday. You know why? Because a year ago, I was talking into a cell phone. Amen. A year ago, we were broadcasting our Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday service, Steve, remember, with a cell phone. I mean, we were doing anything we could to stay connected. And you know what? It wasn't just that. It's that we weren't able to gather with the people of God. I mean, that's important to me. I believe it's important to you. 
By you being here today, you're saying, this is important to me that I would gather with the people of God on the Lord's day and worship the Lord, give him praise and glory for all of his goodness. And I just don't want to ever take that for granted. And ladies and gentlemen, when I read verses like Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, it reminds me of what he demonstrated that you and I might be able to demonstrate our devotion to him. You see, the psalmist understands that his devotion to the Lord has enabled him to overcome many obstacles. It's enabled him to experience victory, yet he remains humble as he recognizes he has some needs. Now, I want you to know today, you may think you're rough and tough and hard to buff and you don't need anybody, anything, anywhere. You may be the great spiritual Lone Ranger, but I want you to hear me today. You need some stuff and you need some people. You have needs in your life that only God can fill the need. The psalmist knew this. He knew that he needed God's continual protection. He needed continual strength from God. He knew only God could give those things, and he stayed humble before the Lord in the need of that. I believe that. He also recognizes that evil is present all around him. And by doing so, he knows that the forces of evil that were present around him, and might I say to you today, the forces of evil that are present around you, are ones that constantly attempt to pull us away from our devotion to the Lord. The psalmist was experiencing in his day that the allurements of the world, the world tried to make things look real pretty, tried to make things look very alluring. So therefore, he had a constant battle with his flesh. Amen. And the flesh that he had, the battle that was going on, he knew that only God could deliver him. Only God could help him through the obstacles. Only God could keep him true. Why? Because the forces of evil were more powerful than he was by himself. Can I say to you today, that's still true? I've told you many times over and over that Satan knows what you've got an appetite for. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and and you're making a difference for the kingdom of God and you've sold your life out to Jesus and you're not uh, not ashamed one bit about it, then I want you to know Satan will look to find what you have an appetite for and he will always allure you and tempt you in the area of your appetite. (laughs) He will. And you have to be very careful to guard your heart, Solomon said in Proverbs 4.23, with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. You've got to guard your heart because as those forces of evil attack you and allure you in the area of your appetite and pull you away from your devotion to God, it can be dangerous for you and all those in your circle of influence. So as he works diligently to stay focused on the word, there's an ever-present temptation in his life. And that temptation was that he might focus on his circumstances, all the circumstances in his life that were beyond his control. I was thinking about just the other day, this week, last year, and I remember thinking how quickly things were changing and how so many things were beyond our control. I remember when we all had this idea, I had it, you had it too, most others did, that we would have a period of lockdown two, three, four weeks, and then all of a sudden we just all burst back into church together and celebrate because it was over. Did y'all ever think that? I was looking for that. I'm still looking for it, amen? 
And do you know the return to church has been very different than I ever expected? It's taken time. We've had to distance. We've had to increase our online capacity. Let me say this to you about that. I, I had folks say to me, oh, are you going to stop the online service? Absolutely not. If you're watching online today, as long as they let us and it'll come through your airway, we are going to come every way we can to get the gospel to as many people possible. Some people would say, well, you need to stop that and everybody will come back to church. Who do you think that if somebody's not going to come, they're not going to come anyhow and you turning it off is not going to make a difference. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's not why we do what we do. We don't do to see how many we can seat. We do to see how many people we can employ in the work of God and send them to the field and tell lost people about Jesus. Amen. Hey, this stuff about worrying about, I, I've always said, how many can you seat? I'm not concerned with how many we can seat. I'm concerned with how many are we going to send? <laughs> so, nevertheless, we had no idea. So, online worship, it's here to stay, okay? I, I will be very honest with you, as, long as, you, as soon as you're able, you need to be back into worship. I believe that. People are getting their shots and, and giving their time. and As soon as you're able, you should. But until you're able, that's fine. But we're going to continue to use this online opportunity to reach people we don't know. Y'all won't believe this, but God is bigger than Cleburne County. Aren't you glad? I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have a tremendous opportunity to reach beyond these walls, and we're not going to stop doing that no matter what. I'm telling you, we've got to uh, keep trumpeting the Word of God. So he knew this. It was beyond his control. He needed God's help. He also struggled with the fact that he was wondering why God hadn't stepped in yet. Can y'all do that along this time, the past year? It's okay, Lord, anytime you're ready, just come in and call a halt to all this. We're ready. Anybody? The psalmist was struggling a little bit. He was wondering, why has God not stepped in and sovereignly stopped all this stuff? Why has he not shown himself strong? Why has he not delivered me in the way I would like for him to? A lot of us get caught up in the fact, and if you watch some of these people on TV, the name it and claim it people, they'll tell you, you just name it, you just claim it, you tell God what you want, he takes your order, he fills your order, he does what you said because you named it and you're going to claim it. But that's not the way God works. He doesn't work by our calendar, which was the most useless thing I bought for 2020, amen? Started to buy one for 2021. I said, I don't know. But I did. I, had to, I did. I got one now. It seems to be working better than last year by far. But here's what he was saying. God, you hadn't fixed anything yet. Why should I get so worked up? Uh, listen, I want you to do this, Lord, but the Lord knows this. He knows what's best for us, and he knows how to bring out the best in us. And sometimes that means working against what we want. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, as the beauty and wonder of scriptures unfolded, the psalmist begins to see the ugliness of sin and the cheapness of what the world has to offer. Friend, I want you to hear me today. The closer you get to God, the more ugly sin will become to you. The further you drift from God, the prettier sin will to you. But I want you to know today that anything the world has to offer you is never as good. We'll never be close to what God gave on the cross of Calvary in the person of Jesus Christ. 
So as we look at the demonstration of devotion today, I want to make one major thought, and I want to make a couple of sentences along with that, but I want you to focus on verses 129 through verse 131 with me. As the psalmist takes a moment and makes a holy reflection. What do we know about Psalm 119? Well, it is regarded to as the Word of God Psalm. 22 stanzas, 176 verses, and it's been said that these verses exalt the beauty, truth, and wonderful wonder of the magnificent gift of God. Our God, Danny Aiken said, is not silent. He is a talking God, and He talks to us in and through His Word so that we might know and love Him. Our God longs to have a relationship with us. And friend, hear me. Those you long to have a relationship with, you not only talk to them, but you listen to them. God wants that kind of relationship with you. So in verse 129, as he begins to reflect, here's what we notice. He talks about the continuation of his testimony, talking about the continuation of the testimony of God to an unbelieving world. See, it's the Word of God that does several things for us. It's the word of God that brings us out of the darkness of sin and allows us to live in his glorious light. Friend, I want you to know things are dark around us, but it's time for the light of the gospel to shine its brightest. God's word evokes a sense of awe and wonder because of the God who acts through these words. Students of the word experience the knowledge of the power contained in the word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when a lost sinner repents of their sins, trusts Jesus as Savior, and becomes a born-again child of God, can I say to you today that it is the Word of God that made them aware of their sinful condition. It is the Spirit of God that convicted them of their sinful condition. And in working in unison, the Spirit of God and the Word of God draws a person to repentance where they can change directions, agree with God about their sin, and become a born-again child of God. Let me say this about sin for a minute. Many folks today have emotional experiences that do not equate to spiritual transformation. There's nothing wrong with being emotional. I worry about people sometimes who have no emotion ever. But I want you to know if you base your life and your journey with Christ based on your feelings, you will become an emotional spiritual wreck. It's not about your emotions. And when you repent, it's not an emotional experience where you're sorry you got caught. It's not where an emotional experience where you're like, oops, I just gotta keep that. No, when you repent of your sin, you agree with God about your sin. You say the same thing about your sin that God says about your sin, and you change directions. Amen. I, I believe today that we have a very low view of repentance in the church today because we're afraid that it will offend people. Hear me. I did not come to offend you today. I never get up any morning looking to offend anybody. But I have come to tell you the truth. And the truth of the gospel is offensive to sinful lifestyle. The truth of the gospel will always bring conviction to those who, who decide to live in ways that are contradictory to the word of God. It is not that they're offended at the preacher it's not that they're offended at the church, but they're offended about what God said about their sin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, hear me. 
When God, call, when God makes us aware of our sin through the word of God and the spirit of God, he does so not to hurt us, but to help us. Not to push us away, but to draw us to it. I like what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, the longer I read and study the Bible, the more wonderful it becomes. Is that true of you today? The more I read and study the Bible, the more wonderful it becomes. And he said, and a God who wrote a book that wonderful deserves my obedience. He said to obey the word is to become a part of that wonder and to experience power and spiritual transformation in our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you, the old songwriter said, the longer I serve him, the sweeter he grows. I want to tell you, the longer I read this book, the more years I spend in looking for its truth, the more powerful it becomes and the more sweeter the relationship with God is today. So I believe as children of God, we must desire to continually and faithfully live out the principles of the word. Continuing with the Lord requires something of you and I. It requires some spiritual endurance. If you want greater endurance in your arms, you do more curls and push-ups and stuff like that. Give you more endurance. But if you want to have spiritual endurance today, it requires some time in the word of God it, can, it requires some time before the throne of God and it requires you being filled with the Spirit of God. And I want you to know today that this is important because it is essential for us to live a surrendered life that refuses to quit. I always told my girls growing up, I'd always tell them that quit's a bad word. It's a four-letter word, bad word. We, we don't, I don't like that word. The easiest thing to do is quit. The easiest thing to do is just, just give up. But God has not called us to that. That is not his desire for any of his children. His desire is that we might continue faithfully until he calls us home. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he said, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing that from them, excuse me, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. You know why Paul continually tried to encourage Timothy? Because Timothy had a bunch of people around him that were trying to get him to quit. The devil was after him. The forces of evil were after him. Everybody was after this young guy and they were trying to make issue of his youth and trying to make issue of his, his learning and all this kind of stuff. But here's what Paul told him. He says, you must continue. You must refuse to give up. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. But Paul told Timothy, it's the last thing you need to do. Friend, I want you to hear me. As you continue to walk with God faithfully in this world, remember you are continuing the testimony of the sovereign God of the universe and you are showing a lost world who he really is. Notice with me secondly there in verse 130, he talks about navigation toward truth. As he was reflecting, he not only realized his need to continue, but he knew that he needed some guidance. He needed some help. For the journey. Can I say to you today, you do too? I do too. Here's what the psalmist said. He said, the entrance of your word gives life. It gives understanding to the simple. The light of the word, ladies and gentlemen, and the light of the world 
He comes into our hearts and minds and brings spiritual insight and understanding. Aren't you glad of that today? That God gives us the light of the word to illuminate our hearts and give us insight and understanding. Well, let me share a passage with you. You don't have to turn there. You might just want to write it on your bulletin somewhere. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, give us a clear picture into the way Paul was teaching the Corinthian church the same principle. Now keep in mind the Corinthian church had its problems, had its troubles, had its shortcomings, had its confusions, had its frustrations, had its issues. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that's no different than most any church in America today. Have you ever heard anybody say, you know what, I, I don't really have time for church because that just creates more stuff in my life, creates more issues, and plus those people down there, they're just, they're just not real good either. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. They do this, they do that. And I've even had people tell me before, I'd come to church, friend, but there's some people down there that you preach to that ain't living right. And you know what I tell them? They're absolutely right. And if they would come, they could add to that number. But I'm just saying to you, and ladies and gentlemen, hear me. I used to hold myself responsible as a young pastor. I made the mistake Timothy made. When I'd have people who profess to know Jesus go out in the community and act like the devil, I'd feel like it was my fault. There was something I'd done wrong, something I wasn't doing right. I realized that every person's responsible for behavior. Amen. But what I'm responsible for is telling you how to get it right. Whether you get it right or not is your responsibility. Amen? So, so here's the deal. As long as there are people, there will always be people in church that aren't right with God. And let me say this to you. The church was not put here that we'd all be right with God and have one big holy huddle. The church was put here to impact the world. So that means we're constantly dealing with the issues of the world as we help people learn to walk with God. It's just like Warren Wearsby talked about this too, I believe it was, and others have said. For too long, the church has operated like a cruise ship. You need some suntan oil, sir? Would you like a drink? Would you like some sparkling spritzy water? Would you like a fizzy lemonade? Would you like a chair? Would you like a towel? Is your room warm? Is your room cool enough? Is, there sheet, is the uh, seats comfy enough? Is the sound just right? Is it too low? Is it too loud? It's all this kind of stuff that we've worried about in the church for so long that has nothing to do with getting people to the cross and impacting the culture with the gospel of Jesus Christ. For, for too long, the church has operated like a cruise ship when we're supposed to be a battleship. Amen? Now, let me help you here, okay? On a cruise ship... Those things I was talking about, the towels and the suntan lotion and the chair and everybody being comfy, comfy, comfy is all that's important. But on a battleship, nobody's there for a suntan. Nobody's there to be comfortable. The people on the battleship are there because the enemy is attacking them and they must be on guard, they must be on defense, and they must be prepared to take care and guard the battleship because the battleship has a mission. Amen? I read Mike Huckabee's book, Character Really Counts, or Character Really Matters, whatever. The, and he talked about one of the big reasons he got out of the ministry and entered politics is because he felt like an ordained cruise director. His words, not mine. 
But buddy, I put a amen beside that in my book. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not what God has called us to do. He has called us here to cry loud, spare not, lift up our voices and trumpet unto the Lord and show the people of God their sin and transgression. Ladies and gentlemen, he's called us here to build a battleship that's touching the world. That is absolutely right. I think you ought to say it again. He has put us here to be a part of his battle to touch the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and for that we cannot apologize God help us help us we turn what is holy into what is common we cannot continue that path we cannot continue that path alright let me take a deep breath here Woo! Yeah, nature boy. <laughs> oh, Second Corinthians chapter four. Here's what Paul told. He told them, "We have a ministry. Wait, wait, a ministry. The best definition I ever read of ministry was this. Once again, Warren Wiersbe, a lot of wisdom. He's with Jesus now. Can only imagine what that's like." But Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. And I want to say it again. Ministry takes place when divine resources, that means only what he can give, meet human needs, what you and I have, through loving channels born-again, blood-bought children of God, the local church, for the glory of God. It's the best definition I ever heard. It's so clear. But Paul told the church at Corinth, said, you got a ministry, ladies and gentlemen, and can I tell you, everybody here has a ministry. He said, no, it's not our ministry, preacher, it's yours. You're the pastor, the minister, the whatever. This is your ministry. No, 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 no. It is what he has entrusted to all of us. For some reason, he chose me to be in this particular seat on the bus. It's not one I really chose for myself. He chose it for me. And whatever seat he's given you on the bus, fill that seat. But don't get too comfortable there. Because that seat requires some endurance. He said, we've got a ministry. As we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. Boy, it's just been encouraging to me how many so many people have remained so faithful during this time. It's heartbreaking in some areas. And I'd be the lionest preacher on the planet if I told you that it didn't break my heart sometimes to see people drift away. Because that's one of the greatest disappointments and heartbreaks of ministry. Did you see how good God is and how awesome He is and how much He wants to bless to see people drift away? But He said this about the church, 2 Corinthians 4 2. He says, We have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in cryptness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. There are people perishing out there. They need to hear the gospel. 
What does he else he say about him? He said, whose minds the God of this age is blinded. That's Satan. Satan blinding people. If the gospel is veiled or hidden, it's a terrible thing. He said, they do not believe, lest the lie of the glorious gospel of Christ, who's in the image of God, should shine into them, for we do not preach ourselves. But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Can I tell you that's why I'm here today? You know why I'm here today? I've not come to tell you my message. I've not come to tell you what I think is good. I've not come to share with you my preferences or anything else. I've come to share with you the absolute truth of the word of God. I have spent time this week just pouring my soul out to the Lord saying, oh God, help it to never be about me. Help it to never be about us. Help it to always be about you. It's so easy for people to get pulled into that. Ladies and gentlemen, that they, for us to have knowledge of the truth, it brings great comfort to us, but it also should be a great compulsion to share the light with those who are still in darkness. This is why it's important. I saw this the other day, and I can tell you I'm not a huge social media guy, but I've had to learn a lot about it in the past year. But I saw this thing the other day, and it was really good, and I had to share it. It was good. It says, you need to go find yourself a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church because in the days ahead, you're going to need it. Amen. I, I, I like that. Let me say this to you. You parents who have your young people here, listen. Don't, don't ever apologize for carrying them to a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church because I want to tell you the things that you learn in your foundational years are so very important. They will be with you for the rest of your life. Amen? Don't ever apologize to an unbelieving world. Don't ever apologize to your critics. Don't ever apologize to anybody else for your commitment to Christ and His church. Why? Because I'm here to tell you today, it is very important that you find yourself under the teaching and preaching of Spirit-filled and Spirit-led servants of God. Why? When the light of God's truth shines forth, spiritual transformation is the result. And we have no other option. Then verse 131, that's where I want to park out and I'm done. He talks about desperation for transformation. Notice what he says again. He says, I opened my mouth and I panted for I long for your commandments. I told him in the first service when I was a youngster around here, I had a little dog. I don't know what kind of dog he was. I just said he was a Heinz 57. I don't know. He had a, but I named him Flash. Yep, Roscoe P. Coltrane. But old Flash, he wasn't like that old hound that old Roscoe had. This dog could, could do stuff. I mean, he was, but I mean, every road I rode my bicycle and skipped my knees and tore up my forehead and elbows, old Flash was right there with me. And Flash would run alongside no matter where I rode that bicycle. But every time we'd stop in those hot summer days, we got anywhere near a mud puddle, anywhere near a creek, <clears throat> old Flash's tongue be hanging out. He'd find his way to that water because that was all he thought about. All that was on his mind was getting to that water. The psalmist is much the same picture here. He knew that the Word of God had the power to transform everything in his life. He knew that the Word of God would transform his thoughts and his behavior. And the word picture in verse 131 shows a deep yearning or a craving for the word of God. He knew that he could not live without it. 
It was life and bread to his soul. The water of life to his inner being. Friend, hear me. It's with a broken heart that I tell you this, but it's the truth. Sadly, this type of thirst for the word of God is not very common in our country today. I don't know what it's going to take to get us there. I don't know what's going to happen to get us where we need to be, but it's not very common. You know, it's not that it's just not common in our country. Sadly, it's that type of hunger and thirst for the word of God is not even very common among professing Christians. And I'm not here to point out the bad news or the muddy grubs or be negative or nothing like that. I deeply desire to encourage you, but at the same time, in order to be encouraged, you've got to realize the reality of where we are. And I want you to know something. You must never forget what it costs for you to have a copy of the Word of God. You say, wait a minute, preacher. It didn't cost that much. I went down to the bookstore, ordered it online, and, man, I got, you say, preacher, I got me a nice Bible, $39.95 on sale. It cost more than $39.95. You know why? Because here's what it costs. It costs the blood of martyrs who literally gave their life for the word of God it didn't just cost the blood of martyrs but it it cost many scholars many hours who literally gave their lives to translating the scripture into the language that you could read but even though it costs more than $39.95, or even if you've got a real nice Bible, I think this one right here was over $100 that I got, and, and, uh, but I'm grateful for it. But I want to say, see, it costs, I don't care if you paid $500 for a Bible. Can I tell you, it costs so much more than the price you paid to purchase it. It costs the blood of people who died for the gospel because they believed it was true. God help us. So sad. But even with that being true, we still often disregard the need to feed our soul on its words. Ladies and gentlemen, when we lose our desire for God's word, we become vulnerable for the substitutes that the world has to offer. I was telling them earlier, you remember, I remember when I was a young boy, Saturday mornings, I'd watch me a little Scooby Doo. A little Hong Kong fooey. If you don't like Hong Kong fooey, there's something wrong. I tried to get my daughters to, I pulled him up on YouTube for him. I said, this is the greatest cartoon in the foundation of, in the foundation of America. They weren't impressed. And I saw Scooby-Doo came across the TV the other day, and they had computers in the mystery van and an iPad. Now, that ain't the Scooby-Doo I knew. They actually had to go out there and put me in, I don't know. The world has changed. But I can remember watching Scooby-Doo and Hong Kong Fooey, and most every Saturday morning, there would be a lot of commercials about the newest cereal came out. The way I used to pick cereal in the grocery store was you'd walk down through there and see what prizes was in the box, right? <laughs> Anybody? 
Did y'all ever get in trouble for running your hand down in there and getting the prize out? Y'all were good boys and girls, right? I'd get in trouble for that every time. Get your hand out of anyhow. And I'd probably been out picking in the dirt or worms in his hand. No, but I remember them. They'd have all these, and all of them had a whole lot of sugar in them, didn't they? Sugar smacks, fruit loops, and my all-time favorite, Frosty Flakes. Tony the Tire. But can I tell you, now in my latter years, I have been reduced to Cheerios, which tastes like I might as well be eating a box. <laughs> that box ain't near as good as them Frosty Flakes, amen. But then all of a sudden, I don't know, I probably got 12, 13 years old, they decided that sugar wasn't good for you anymore. And whoever came up with that, we don't need that kind of negativity in our world, right? But no, the sugar's not good for you. So we're going to come up with some substitutes. And you remember when they first came out with these substitutes, the big one was NutraSweet. And they came out with this gumball and it tasted horrible. And then they went and took a real good Coca-Cola and poured that stuff in it and run forever, right? I told them earlier, that stuff tastes just like you went down here to Rites and got you a bottle of cough medicine and drank it for fun, right? Oh. But we took these substitutes, and here's what they told us. It won't rot your teeth. Four out of five dentists survey. I always wonder, what about the other guy? What was wrong with him? Well, they said it won't rot your teeth. And then they said, you know, it won't make you fat. And it won't cause problems with sugar. And all that. So we're going to get these substitutes in there. And you know what they're finding out 35 plus years later? Some of those substitutes wasn't so good for us either. Hello, right? Should have left it alone. <laughs> no, but here's my point. My point is, is that the world always has a substitute. They'll say, well, I'm going to make a commitment. I remember when our girls, before they were born, this was a commitment that Angie and I made to God and made to one another. We made a commitment, regardless of whether I was a pastor or anything else, we were going to raise our children to love God, to worship God, to serve God, and we was going to raise them in the house of God. Now, I, is that, have, are they perfect? No, they still live with me for a few more months. No, no. Is their daddy perfect? No. Is their mama perfect? Almost. But what I'm saying to you is, is we made that decision before we had children because I just knew from what I could understand from reading God's word that he's my only hope. We didn't want to raise them with some legalistic standards that all the stuff you can't do and all that. We wanted them to enjoy life and enjoy growing up, but we wanted them to have some principle, wanted them to have some boundaries. And only God's Word gives that, right? So it's important we understand that. We didn't want to just bombard them with substitutes. And can I tell you, there's a whole lot of that going on in our world today. Oh, don't get too sold out for that thing radical about Jesus. Don't get too involved in the church. It'll take up all your time for everything else. Ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Once again, I want to take you back. We need to lose the cruise ship mentality and get back to building a battleship. Without a doubt. Here's what John said in John 3, 19. And this is the condemnation 
that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light. This needs to be you, sir. This needs to be you, ma'am, young man, young, young man, young lady. This needs to be you. He who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen and that they have been done in God. Don't be afraid of light. Run to the light. But what about this? And I want to leave you with this today. I was reading John Phillips this week, and I love John Phillips. He was the first commentator that I ever owned a copy of any of his books way back in the late 90s. He's with Jesus now. Faithful life, faithful servant, wonderful teacher of the Word of God. And he wrote this back in the 1980s. I wanted you to know when he wrote it so you'd get a marker. He asked the question, what happens if the word of God is taken away from us? And here's what he said. He said, let the communists come in and ban the Bible from the bookstores and libraries. Let them arrest those who preach it. Let them make it an offense against the state to read it and then its value will be known. Then like the psalmist, we will long for it. But why wait until it is taken away to appreciate it? Do you remember me telling you just a few seconds ago he wrote that in the 1980s? Do you think we're closer to that statement becoming a reality in 2021 than we were in the 1980s? You say, preacher, that would never happen. Nobody would ban the reading of the Bible. Nobody would arrest someone for preaching the gospel. Uh, no one would make it a crime against the state for doing what God said and leading people to understand his word and follow him. Nobody would do that. No, never. I would hope that those who feel that way are right, but I'm here to tell you today, there is a world of people that are hostile toward the Word of God. And they're not just hostile toward the Word, they're hostile toward anybody who loves it, speaks it, and obeys it. Here's what the psalmist said. He had an insatiable appetite for the Word of God. He was saying, I'm not going to wait till it's taken away from me for it to become precious to me. That's why in some of our countries where international missionaries are on the ground, they're telling us that they don't have copies of the Word of God, so they get pages, and people memorize the pages and pass them on to their friends and neighbors. And you know why? It's precious to them. Don't let that be us. We've got copies and copies. I bet in your home there are multiple copies that just sit idle day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year, and we wonder why we don't see the power of God. The 
psalmist said this in Psalm 29. He said, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Go back to verse 131 just for a second. Martin Luther wrote about that, and he wrote something that jumped off the page at me, and i got to share with you. He said the psalmist literally opens his mouth to be taught rather than to teach. So Luther paraphrased Psalm verse 131, Psalm 119 verse 131, and here's the way he paraphrased it, and I want to leave you with this today. He said the psalmist was literally saying, I have opened my mouth that I might not want to offer what is mine, but desire to receive what is yours. We must long for his voice, church. We must long to hear what he has to say. That's why it is so important for me before I come to this room to open my mouth to preach and teach what the gospel says. Before I do that, it is so much more important to me that I've been taught, that I've been at the feet of Jesus, that I have labored at the foot of Calvary. And then, and only then, as I told you in the welcome today, once I have talked to, to, to y'all, to God about y'all, I can talk to y'all about God. The psalmist was saying, listen, I'm not coming for what I got to bring. I'm coming for what I can receive that only he can give. Hear me. That, my friend, is a demonstration of devotion. Here's what the psalmist was basically saying. It's not about me. It's all on a battleship that's the way it is when you're on a battleship it's not about being comfortable it's about being faithful pray with me Father in Jesus name I want to thank you for your word today I want to thank you for the truth that you have entrusted to us and I pray that we would be faithful to not only embrace it, but to live it out. Father, my prayer for those in this room today and those watching by way of internet today will literally be your people who would be visible demonstrations of devotion to you, would literally show evidence, clear evidence irrefutable evidence that they belong to you your child and they're not ashamed for the world to know Lord may it be so may it be true and God may you help us to prepare a battleship where every soldier fulfilling his or her role doing what we've been trained and equipped to do and not allowing the enemy to overtake us with a series of cheap substitutes for what's real.
Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name I humbly pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Play that just a second, Terry. I want you to listen to this song. The words of that song says, Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing I desire compares to you. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that ought to be our heartbeat as we leave this place of worship today. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm grateful to have been able to be here with you today. I want to tell you before we dismiss, as I started last week, if there's anything you need from the Lord, you need anything at all, any decision you need to make, question you might have, whatever, I'll be out there to help you. Others will be glad to help as well. Uh, if you have prayer requests, praise reports, whatever, you can always drop those in the offering buckets. And as we dismiss today, if you have any Armstrong Easter offering for uh, this week, uh, then you there is a plate here by the cross that you can leave those envelopes in as well, okay? And I want to thank you as I did the first service. I want to say this to y'all. I never want to forget, and I had a good preacher remind me this years ago. He invested in my life some. I don't ever want to forget. And on Monday mornings, I want to tell you this is something I always pray for y'all on Monday mornings. Is I don't ever want to forget that a lot of you are leave out of here today, and you'll get up in the morning, you'll go to work, and you'll face all kinds of stuff next week. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of difficulties all kinds of challenges and sometimes it just be overwhelming and I don't ever want to forget that you experience those things and I'm praying for you as you do and I'll help you with anything you need me to help you with but one thing I never want to forget is through that because you believe the word of God and the faithful word of God you come to the house of God on the Lord's day and you give faithfully of your tithes and offerings. You don't give them to me. You don't give them to the church. You give them through the church for the glory of God. But I don't ever want to forget that God's faithfulness and the faithfulness of his people enable me to do what I was put on this planet to do. I don't ever want to forget that. I'm very grateful, very grateful. And not me, but there's a world that's depending on the church to be faithful even in a crisis. Amen? I really believe that. Worlds of hurting people, and we're going to see more and more. Closer we get to going home to be with Jesus, that's not going to stop. But when God's people are faithful, that's why I encourage you. I mean, there were some preachers took flack, and a lot of people backed off during the heat of the pandemic because they were saying you can't tell people that they still need to be faithful to give. And I'm thinking... But if I'm encouraging you to give it when the sun's shining, we still need to be encouraged to be faithful when it's raining and the thunder's clapping and the lightning's flashing. We don't quit being faithful. I don't know about you, but when that stuff happens is when I really need him to show up. Amen? So I want to thank you for being faithful, and I want to encourage you to continue. Once again, it's not about what it does for me. I, I'm, doing, I'm not too good to do anything. I can dig ditches and pick up cans, cut grass, water, I'm not too good to do anything. But I'm grateful to God that he's enabled me through his calling 
which captured my heart a long time ago and through the faithfulness of his people to being able to do what he put me on this planet to do and I just want you to know that from my heart because two days from now March 30th which was Easter Sunday in 1986 uh, a very biblically ignorant illiterate 15 year old boy who was 15 years and 15 days old God called me to the ministry and I ain't got over it amen told the guys this morning in the prayer room I said I'm just like old preacher told me one time I'm just a regular guy whose Lord got up from the dead and he ain't got over it yet amen and I, and I just want you to know for 35 years God has blessed you know what I think about all the things and all the all of the, the, the hard knocks and all the headaches and all those things but it's been worth every mile every mile and to be here with y'all today is a huge blessing so just know from my heart what I think of you I don't know what you think of me sometimes and a lot of you are probably like you probably don't want to know what I think of you but I want you to know regardless of what you think of me I want you to know what I think of you and I can honestly say I wrote it in my book I've never pastored a person I didn't love I pastored some people who didn't love me but I have never pastored a person and I will continue to love because as I tell y'all every service I love you there's not a thing you can do about it amen amen let's stand together Marty's going to sing us out 6 o'clock Wednesday night for children and adults 6.30 for students next week is Easter I hope you're inviting somebody to come with you 9, 10.30 6.15 on the hill for sunrise and also uh, while I'm thinking about it I just have all these th things go through my head but nevertheless but for much for next weekend we're praying for a big day our, our worship ensemble that we're having to do right now until we're able to put our choir back they're going to put together an Easter musical uh, it's going to be the first part of our service about 25 minutes or so of that it's just going to be some great music you pray as we're going to dig deeper into the word of God and come in here with a heart full because we love him and we love you. Marty, sing when you're ready. Have a great Sunday.